Philip Kotler, the Philip Kotler. Uh, I don't think we need to introduce you to the marketers that are listening in here because you are the father of modern marketing. And I don't think there's a marketer on the planet who hasn't read some of your works as they've been training over the years. So Gemma and I are absolutely delighted that you are joining us on our Can Marketing Save the Planet podcast. I'm so happy to get to know you because I want to be aware of all the people who believe in sustainable marketing and sustainable business. And I love your title, Sustainable Marketing Dash How to Drive Profits with Purpose. I want to reflect with you on what we can do about about really achieving sustainable businesses. Fantastic, fantastic, because it is something that we are super passionate about, both Gemma and I. And and it's we're delighted you've got the book. We've delighted you've signed our manifesto. And, you know, the reason Gemma and I wrote the book is because, you know, we wanted to actually learn more about sustainable marketing. We, we felt that marketing had kind of played a role in in driving some of the challenges and problems that we find ourselves in. Because, you know, marketing over the years has driven consumption and marketers are about often, you know, sometimes telling the best version of the truth rather than, you know, things as they are. And and traditionally, marketing hasn't always, you know, been the most sustainable practice but but we want to change that and we want marketers to be so much more responsible so I, I think it would be a really good starting point to to bring in the book that you could you know because I've read your book your recent book and in there you you relate to sustainability and about sustainable business and and where that's going so where we find ourselves now Philip in the evolution of of marketing where do you feel, I know technology plays a big part, but where do you feel marketing needs to go with regards to sustainability and sustainable business? Well, by way of background, marketing grew up at an age when we believed in uh, how, how companies can achieve economic growth uh, using all of its tools, particularly assigning marketing with the major role of uh, finding customers, winning customers, keeping customers, growing customers, and all that. But this was in an age when two uh, assumptions were made, that there's an unlimited number of needs and desires that people have. And secondly, that there is an infinite amount of resources. So both of those are questionable assumptions now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have come up even before the digital revolution that overtook marketing thinking. Uh, the fact is that uh, we are now conscious that uh, we're on a planet, a planet that is warming up, uh, showing all kinds of risky and uh, surprising temperatures, uh, fires, uh, and, uh, and many, many deserts are being created because of drought. So we have to ask, are we, as a field, uh, a marketing field, aren't we part of the problem? Yeah. And if we're part of the problem, we should really be changing our objective. And our objective should be really deconsumption or um, 
more sensible consumption. Yeah. Now, people will walk into a supermarket and see so many products of which they only have an interest in a few of them. And this overchoice, uh, which ex- leads to the expansion of a supermarket into a, a huge store with so many varieties and choices that some people almost feel like walking out of the store again because they can't make a choice. And so uh, the question uh, that we are going to all face is this. Um, should, the, should marketing change in its mission and, and, and goals? Could businesses change in their assumption of continuous, unlimited economic growth? Uh, and what should government and nonprofits and other organizations feel about this? You're absolutely wise to recognize that marketing has to undergo a, um, an identity crisis about what is it all about. And, you know, this could produce some marketers who stop being marketers and become, I, I invented the, the idea of demarketing. Uh, when we overuse uh, resources. Uh, I got alerted to that in the case of California, where I noticed how the water shortage was getting very, very bad. And California, without any vocabulary on how to handle this, which we would have called demarketing, um, was urging people to take uh, fewer showers with more people, which is the California style, maybe. Or to um, and to urging companies to uh, save on water, be more kind of conservative in their use of water. So I felt that the big issue facing the the Earthlings, all of us, is how to conserve the resources um, to save the planet from from spoiling. There's no question. You talk about goals and, um, you know, there's the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And we talk about in our book how, you know, uh, businesses should be aligning their strategies to the UN Sustainable Development Goals, you know, to assess where they are, where they want to be and and to educate themselves on, you know, the, the global direction that we need to go in order to make progress. So, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about, you know, a practical framework and approach, because, you know, the reality is, is we all need to educate ourselves on what we need to do, whether we are in business, citizens, you know, government. So we were just wondering if we could just talk a little bit about what you think that looks like. Yes. Um, You know, uh, let's take uh, uh, the idea that if we are to um save the planet we're going to have to see a lot of behavioral change on the part of at least three groups consumers uh, uh businesses and government um and now let's go with one each of these uh what are we what about marketing in relation to consumer wants and desires it turns out marketing is mistakenly thought to be a change society, society, uh, psychology that it's used to change people's minds. It really ne- never started that way. It was a field to define and discover what people wanted and then to meet the needs. In other words, it was perfectly 
accepting. If, a guy, if someone wanted to smoke a cigarette, we would supply cigarettes, whatever. We weren't changing their, we were not a field designed to talk them out of smoking. It was, however, I saw that so early that, and said, we should have a, field, a, a part of the field where marketing marketers do what we call social marketing, mm-hmm. which might have been better called social cause marketing, and uh, which is now in, in our uh, sixth edition of our book with Nancy Lee, covering all kinds of uses of marketing using uh, the product, price, place, promotion ideas, all the tools to change behaviors. So that was new. And I have to admit, it's not that effective, although we're publishing our new book in a few months of 100 success cases in social marketing. Now, we have tried to get people off of drugs, uh, off of thrashing, of of of, of 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 having too many children than they that they can bring up intelligently and and with good what children really need in growing up. All kinds of issues. Okay, so when it comes to consumers and marketing's role, we have to switch a lot of marketing from meeting needs but and but actually trying to change needs yeah that yeah. don't need uh, so much to eat so much to wear it's like a, we have to almost attack the uh, luxury uh, in, uh, goods industry which gets people to crave the very fine clothes which uh, we understand but frankly um is that what we want to put our resources to so that so I would so the question is, this first group consumers can marketing get consumers to change their behaviors? And I'm saying not that easy, easily. Now can marketing help businesses change their behavior? And what do we look? Uh, are we looking for? Um, we're asking businesses to commit to sustainability. Many of them have. Many have done it. Uh, half-heartedly, most of them probably, uh, but they are getting more careful about waste and uh, pollution. And actually, there was a whole evolution when businesses fought doing anything about the planet. Then they started to be uh, ashamed of the pollution when smoke would be visibly seen coming out of their factory. So then pollution went to a bigger idea of uh, the the and air quality of air and water. In fact, businesses was also were uh, were also dumping stuff in the ocean in the rivers, and spoiling that and killing the fish and and now plastic and all that. So companies began to call it not uh, fighting pollution but uh, becoming environmentalist, environmentally conscious, and that is not enough. Uh, we want them to actually look at everything they do and ask, is it neutral with respect to the environmental environment or is it poisoning the environment or is it abetting the environment? I think more companies want to say, yes, we want to be sustainable practitioners in that sense. And then when it comes to government, uh, we, we are talking about how to change its behavior. Let's say that maybe more laws really have to be 
past governing the behavior of both uh, the, the consumption of consumers and also the the practices of business. And that would that's not an easy thing for marketing to do either. You've got lobbying activity all the time. Lobbyists um, go for different causes, and, and some of the lobbyists are good guys. They're these organizations like the Sierra Club and all those who want a better world. So I'm not condemning lobbying, but I'm saying that at the same time, there are lobbyists against all the good things that we should be doing. The world can be saved, actually. There's no question. But the changes that these three big institutions have to make are tremendous. And marketing is only scratching these things, not making changes, really. Our hope is that, you know, what happened with Gemma and I as as marketers and is that, you know, you don't know the reality of what is going on. And when we were, as marketers, when, you know, I always felt we were responsible marketers, but, but and I've always done, I think, responsible practice. But when we actually started researching for the book and finding out more about the realities, it was very clear that, like us, there were many, many marketers that really really weren't educated around the realities of the climate crisis, uh, around around sustainability, sustainable business, sustainable practice, circular economy, you know, many of these concepts that just bypassed many, many marketers. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yet the marketers realistically are you know, often the custodians of the customers. So they're the ones, as you said, right at the beginning, looking at the needs and wants of consumers. And, and there is a, there is a growing consciousness of consumers. Consumers are looking to brands that, that have, the, and I've always looked to brands in some respect that have the same values of theirs. And, and so, so what we, what we set out to do is, you know, it's almost like, once we'd been educated through writing the book and the research that we found, we felt that, well, there was so much to learn and we didn't want to stop because it's almost like once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. And as mm-hmm. marketers, we almost have a response. Well, we have a responsibility to not sell the best version of the truth, but actually to to actually start questioning businesses around their practices mm-hmm. around the messaging that they're giving. And, and I hear what you're saying in as much as marketing in itself is not necessarily going to, to save the planet, but it can become a bit of a, a nuisance um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By, by actually asking some thorny questions about, well, is that right? Is that true? What are we doing there? Have we checked the supply chain? Are we sure about all of these aspects? You know, to actually start to become, it's almost like, you know, one of our podcast guests we talked about, we we talked about almost removing the voice of the brand, uh, which marketing often is. Mm -hmm. And, And if marketing takes a stand and says, actually, we should just be talking about what we're doing, how we're doing it transparently. We may not have got it all figured out, but we're on a we're on that journey. Um, Rather than the greenwashing and the posturing of the truth. I think marketing then, you know, if it has the courage to be that nuisance, 
Um, Because it is often the nuisance anyway. You know, we are often the ones saying, well, hang on a minute. Did the customers say they needed that? You know, or or are we just trying to fudge something in here because we can make more Mm -hmm. money about it? So so I don't know what your views are from that perspective, Philip. But but my views are the following. Um, We need to find companies that are heroes in this respect of actually uh, committing uh, to run right through their business and improve everything about it from a sustainability point of view and to show how it can be really done and profitably done. Mm. This is why I'm so excited about uh, Unilever as a company because under its leader who uh, was uh, retired a year ago, Paul Pullman, I believe, uh, he was watched by many other companies for for what he was wisely saying about how a firm can make profits and be zero uh, in its uh, impact on on the uh, the physical environment, on emissions. You know, everyone wants zero uh, emissions uh, of of bad gases and so on. So what he, he did is he says, I want my firm to grow by X percent. And he stated the number and he said, and I don't want the finance people to bother me every quarter for the goals that I'm setting because I don't care about that. They have to just trust that I can do it right. And I'm going to do it in, in a way that is definitely with no impact, zero impact on the environment. And sure enough, all the numbers are there. He has displayed them. And I I think he gave a remarkable one-hour talk with no notes on the Internet somewhere you can find it about how he thinks about business. Now, let's find more Unilevers. Let's find uh, whether P&G is a real leader in this. Um, Is Walmart a real one? Because what if some of... The companies you talk to about what they should be doing, say, well, who's doing it? And who's doing it in my industry? What would be a model for me? So as you both dedicate your time to research, please find those uh, leaders. Now, for take the airline industry. The airline industry is a bad polluter. We either give up airlines or we find out that one of them, and it may be Southwest Airlines, uh, has done the best it could possibly do to minimize the harm to the environment. Good. Circulate that. In fact, circulate the good works of the leaders in different industries. I can see a whole book on that, too, that you both might write. Um, that, and, and then the, what about the brand? All right. We wrote the book, uh, Brand Activism. The point of brand activism was companies really need to define their purpose as an organization. Is it just to be a money machine or is it to really create value? Well, most companies will finally say, well, I'm not a money machine. I'm really creating value. So we say to them, um, then what are you doing to create value, first of all, to communicate it? in the right way, secondly, and to um, deliver it actually to the customers, namely what you claim that you were creating for them, uh, and which is the definition of marketing, really. 
marketing is the uh, skill and art and science of creating, communicating, and delivering value to a target market at for a purpose. The purpose is often profit, but it could be uh, survival or good works, whatever. Celebrate the heroes and uh, curse the, uh, the the shameful people in the business. You talk there about you know innovation and supporting scalable solutions and businesses need to share those more between them. And I think you know I'd like to just talk about you know the role of technology as an enabler and you know where does it sit and how does it drive that innovation, connectivity, and support these solutions because. You know, technology is both good and bad, and it's it's here and it's 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 done you know amazing things. But what is the role of technology in in your view? Well, you know, uh, I would put more impact, hopeful impact, coming from technology than from marketing. Um, I don't want to underrate my own field, but I think uh, some brilliant things might happen with technology. Um, there is a conference uh, that I was just invited to be the leading speaker, and it's called the Conference on Innovation in the Social Sciences. It's uh, uh, going to take place uh, December 10th, 11th, and 12th, and I'm the guest uh, uh, opener of the whole conference. And I'm going to speak about how we move through a whole set of brilliant things in innovation in the social sciences from creating the idea of uh, simulated behavior where we could simulate games in the behavior industries and including uh, what um, the, the fact that we invented opinion polling for what use it has in understanding where people what people are thinking uh, etc I'm going to review uh, a whole bunch of uh, past innovations in social science but and and we're talking about technology now. I just saw a reference. I'll read it to you. Several emerging several emerging energy technologies have the potential to reduce and eliminate net greenhouse gas emissions. That's the, the words that describe not conference I'm speaking at, but another conference I I saw, and I didn't keep the name, but it struck me that it's a couple of days of a conference really investigating, believing there are energy and other types of technologies that will make a difference to this problem we're all wrestling with. In fact, if you have this find, found out yourself, some of these technologies that we should be watching, uh, let, let us know. I mean, technology has shifted, hasn't it, significantly? And uh, particularly since this pandemic, I think we've all seen how technology has, you know, what where, What I love about digitally connected technologies is the enabler of the connective. It, 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 it yeah. makes us, you know, it, it creates this smallness and this opportunity for us all to act in a united way. And, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. we saw that, didn't we, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we're still seeing it. You know, we are able to be so much more in tune with what's going on around the world and to support one another more as a human race. I just got a note from a, a young uh, girl of about 11 years of age. She says she works with uh, Greta. 
the young woman who has been so so good at this. Uh, she and nine other girls work with her. And she wrote to me and she said, um, she read some of my things and she's only 11. And she said, marketing, I'm so excited about what it could do. Can we, can I be mentored by you? And can we work on an article or something? Well, when you hear from 11 year olds, they're going to save us. Yeah. Because, you know, it's their future. Uh, to to be cared about. Uh, we all have children, so we care about helping uh, that. But but uh, I'd like to, and we're very, uh, find the millennials and the um, disease and so on, they're just wonderful about caring. They're caring people. Yeah. Um, but now, what, do we have caring companies, uh, countries? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was uh, busy trying to figure out how to give a prize to the best leader of a country because why not celebrate people who got to a high position and actually made a a big difference to their country. Frankly, my committee found it very hard to find anyone who's leading any country, except, of course, everyone agrees that Merkel in Germany Mm -hmm. doing a a very nice job. and when we were doing this, we started it about three three years ago. We decided to give the first Kotler. They called it. They wanted to call it the Kotler Prize. To um, we decided to give it to uh, the it's the president of India, Mr. Modi. Uh, Modi came to a country that was a sleeping tiger, and he kicked it in the butt, and got it starting. They started because here's China next door with uh, about the same number of people in the billions and um, doing very well, eliminating poverty very fast, uh, more than ever it was ever done before. India was asleep. Modi comes in and we thought we'd give him the prize. Well, after I gave him the prize, which he accepted gratefully, uh, I had a lot of backlash from people who said, well, he's, uh, he's too much of a Hindu. He's really being deceased, discriminating against um, the Muslims and other groups. Uh, so he has some, he's, his party is a bad party that got him up there. But in any case, I'm, I keep thinking like, well, if there's going to be a second prize, maybe it should go to the woman in New Zealand. Yes. It's a marvelous <laughs> job with COVID, right? So the question is, uh, how do, which countries themselves are adopting sustainability as a goal. Mm-hmm. Can we list them? Can we make a club out of those countries that have leaders who are all working on sustainability? And can they co- co- collectively put pressure on those countries that are not doing much? Yeah. Because, I mean, we we have the Conference of the Parties coming up. In the, It's going to be held in the UK. There is the Paris Agreement. There are, right. you know, the United Nations. Because there are these 196, 192, 180 these countries that are all signed up to these. But you're right, Philip. You know, where's the kind of league table that's this is this is one of the challenges that we found throughout everything we've been looking at in sustainability and it comes back to again a key marketing principle in my perspective which is accountability you know we always talk about 
well, who's accountable for this? And 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 what are we what are we measuring? How are we measuring it? How do we know this is working? And 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 there just isn't that level of accountability yet. I think we've been late to the table, but it, it does seem like frameworks and and regulation. Well, what organization? What international organization should actually be putting out a measurement system on the progress we're making or not making? Would it be the United Nations or would it be um, now the United Nations? And you mentioned the 17 goals. I've always thought 17 are too many for any company. To, you know, most companies were working hard to get them to do one thing right, like sustainability. Uh, but um, there's a fellow in England, I think highly of what he wrote the book, The Good Country Equation, Simon Anhof. The book's a very interesting one anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah. because he's trying to, here's what he's put together. One of two systems to measure what are the good uh, countries in the world. He, his measurement system defines goodness in terms of working hard to produce people who are ha- happy and healthy, which is there's another study at Wharton of good countries, but they mean economically good. So the United States ranks high, but we're not helping others or even ourselves very much. We, have, we, we don't have the happy or healthy people either. That sounds like another angle to, you know, for us to to approach because because you're absolutely right. I mean, we're going to come to our three kind of roundup questions in a minute, but you're sure. absolutely Right about the fact of, of of what we've always measured as success, and and you know I love the fact that it isn't just about the economic, which is where business at the moment is typically measured, isn't it? And and there are B corporations where they are looking at the triple bottom line, so it's more focused around how people are managed, how the planet is managed. And then profitability. You know, it's not just shareholder profit. And the B corporations are growing in popularity more and more organizations. If we even move to more cooperatives, I think that we have to uh, have exemplars, uh, whether they're countries or companies or, 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 or just heroic individuals like Greta and so on. We like to ask our guests, Three quick fire questions with quick answers. So yes, I know. I number, saw them. number one, can marketing save the planet, Philip Kotler? Uh, the answer is is a qualified no. Namely, marketing is not enough to change the behavior of the three big organizations: consumers, uh, business, and governments. What do you think marketing can do? I think marketing will get better and better through time uh, and persuade more companies to do social good and to care about the planet so that 10 years from now, with younger people who grew up worrying about the future, running these companies, we might have... uh, better change uh, a chance and especially if technology is playing its inventive role some good solutions may also come up what do you hope 
the business looks like in 10 years' time? I think business is moving positively from what we call um, a shareholder capitalism to stakeholder capitalism, which really means that businesses are now um, caring about more than the shareholders and particularly growing concern about the employees. Even today, with COVID, with many people who want to work at home or even not work, uh, it's hard to get uh, the manpower. Uh, and, and, and the companies have to uh, win over uh, people to work for them. And, and as that competition increases, I think uh, businesses will be nicer guys, better performers for everyone, because after all, it's the stakeholders that will be uh, determine their success, not just uh, money and shareholders. Perfect. And so last question, Philip, if you were to give one piece of advice to a marketer getting their heads around sustainability, what would it be? Um, to study uh, finance and technology and what those two fields contribute to understanding how to get businesses to achieve both profitability and sustainability. It's not enough to just be in your marketing head. I want you to realize the importance of financial thinking and driving, of course, that concern with profits and technology, which also has appeal, appealing qualities if they are seen, if it's seen to help companies do better. So I want a broader training in marketing than the way we give it now. Philip Kotler, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you.